luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech. We have always believed that if we built the right technology, we could amplify and enhance and enable human progress. And when I look at what lies ahead, I realize that we've really just barely begun. Your hosts are Mark Schaefer and Douglas Carr. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Luminaries, where we talk to the brightest minds in tech. We're talking transformation, transformation of our technology, our businesses, and our lives. This is Mark Schaefer with my co-host, Doug Carr. How are you, Doug? I am happy. You are happy? I have coffee in front of me. Oh, great. <laughs> and, and we have something else in front of us, too. We have an, an amazing person, Mr. Liam Quinn. And I'm just so excited. We're, we're actually doing this live. We're facing each other at, uh, at a conference here in, uh, in Nevada. And uh, so Liam is the chief technology officer, a senior vice president and a senior fellow of Dell Technologies. Liam has responsibility to lead technology innovation across the client product groups and drive alignment across the Dell CTO organizations. In his current role, Liam's also leading the technology and architecture strategy for the Internet of Things, IP development, and the interlock process of client architecture with enterprise software and services to deliver an end-to-end solution. And he holds more than a hundred patents. Now, William, do you have like a trophy case for this? Or do you just do you like walk around and polish these things? Or so, what do you so do? Mark, Mark, I don't, but it's one of these things that I plan to do when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I have this vision of like, yes, I'll retire the, my daughters are all growing up and moved out, and eventually yeah. I get to where I can put it on a wall. And then I thought, well, that's sort of like self-serving. But I do want to get them and have them somewhere, and maybe divide them out to the kids. Awesome! Well, that would be that would be but amazing. To take up space, you know, be amazing to have the trophy room to visit. So if I had a, if I was in New England and I had a, a basement, you know, that would be a good place to put it. But you don't want something where people come in and. <laughs> See all this stuff. It's, well, I mean, we're kind of joking around, but this really leads to a serious question. I mean, a lot of people look up to you for this. You're, you're a serial innovator. You're, you're an inventor. And in this world of transformation, is this something that people are born with or can you learn to do this? I think it's more of a learning, but I also think it's more down to the individual of, um, curiosity. I'm a very curious person because when I was growing up, and this is how I got into IT initially, is I wanted to know how things worked. I grew up in the west coast of Ireland, and we had a wireless radio with a cell that you had to bring in every two weeks to get charged, right? And I was always fascinated, like, how sound could come out of something with no wires because when you're a kid, you know, there's something is plugged in, and you turn a switch and it turns on, but to have something that's sitting there an alkaline battery in there with no wires, and yet the sound coming out. I was just fascinated by that. And that was my initial curiosity, and I've always had that sort of thirst for knowledge and understanding. And believe me, I've broken a lot of radios for my uncles to bring back radios from the Philippines to my parents when I was a kid. And you'd open up the bag, and you'd see all the the uh, reactors there where you could turn them, and I'd turn them, and I'd turn it back, and things. But after a while, you tend to turn one more than you turn the other, so obviously it wouldn't out of tune. 
But uh, that was my initial fascination of just IT, electronics, um, and then it got into uh, more details of networking and so forth. But yeah. It, I think to answer your question, Mark, specifically, it's more of a, a curiosity, and it's like, how do you solve, or what would you do if you had magic for a moment to solve something, right? I love that, yeah. And that's my approach, and wherever I come up with ideas, like, I don't know how to do this, or as an issue, what would magic be? And that magic becomes IP. Yeah. When you when you develop and think about it, and how is it unique and different? So yeah, that's great. So it's not like you start off trying to do all these things; it just evolves over time. You have such a wide breadth of knowledge too. It's not like you had patents just in one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's you know mobile, Internet of Things, VR, you know we have all these incredible technologies that are that are just erupting on us. I'm curious. I've I've heard some people worry about a breaking point, you know, that, that basically that the number of devices going online and the data and the volume and the velocity of everything is, is going to surpass our capacity, you know, to, uh, to utilize it. Do you have any of those fears or about connectivity and device on the network? Yeah. That just that we're having, you know, terror. I mean, the, the, the number of terabytes, the gigabytes flops when you, when you look actually things are very cyclic or cyclic when you look at uh, networking for example ethernet started off at a megabit per second and then it was 10x it's 10 megabits per second then it's 100 fast ethernet a gig 10 gig and now you can even get higher and networks develop to those capacities based on in points coming online data being generated and the need for bigger pipes almost like plumbing in the city right. you need bigger central arteries with smaller tertiary arteries and so forth. It's the same with networking, it's the same with devices. So will it uh, surpass the ability to manage those devices? No. We've gone from an IPv4 environment to an IPv6, which is, uh, you know, two to the power of 128. So it's trillions and trillions of unique device and address ability. Networks have scaled accordingly on the wired side. You've seen on the wireless side, it has scaled from 1G to 2G to 3G to 4G. Now we're on the cusp of 5G, which is it's about every 10 years. In 10 years' time, it'll be 6G and then 7G and so forth. So mobility will scale in order to take care of that. Um, but there's new storage mechanisms coming online where now you have SSDs with capacity and access points far greater than any hard disks of the past and more capacity and therefore more ability to store these things. So there's, the way you look at it is there's evolution and innovation happening in every sector of the IT space. So it's not just like, you know, it's great processors and they're getting faster and smaller, but all the other disciplines are accelerating equally, like storage, memory, I.O., wired, wireless, graphics, um, front of screen, LCDs going to OLEDs, foldable OLEDs down the road and so forth. So all things are moving progressively. So I'm not concerned, It's, it's a journey. And we've been on this journey for the last number of decades and will continue to be so. But there's some interesting things that will happen as part of that too. So, Well, one of the things, one of the themes of our show is this idea of, of transformation, digital transformation, IT transformation. And when I go out and talk to a lot of companies, and I, I'm so lucky in my role, I get to see a wide variety of companies, many different industries. And I, th- I get this impression to them Transformation is bolting something on. It's like bolting something on to uh, to some you know enterprise solution. But 
one of the things I know that you're really studying a lot is Internet of Things. And to me, this is something new. This is just not a bolt-on. This is a whole new way of thinking about business. Could you tell us a little bit about some of your thinking in that area? Right. So if you look at the PC industry, and you know, Dell has been in business for 30-plus years. And we have gone from – I worked at digital in area of my career, a fax system, four bays – there was about eight to 10 modules of the size of, you know, 12 by 14 inch size that plugged into each slot. There was eight or 10 of those in a slot, in a bay, and then you had four bays. That was the VAX 11780. Big machine. So because of that, you had lots of ASICs, lots of silicon, lots of feet there for big fans on the bottom, or power supplies on the bottom, fans on the top. Well, fast forward, if you look at your phone right now, Doug, it's a quad-core processor that's equal to or greater than all of that in now in the size of a phone. So if you fast-forward 10 years, 20 years, what would be the power and capability of that processor today, that quad-core, in 10, 15, 20 years? It'll leave me smaller to the point where technology is accelerating, technology is getting smaller, it's more integrated, it's getting smarter, and it's getting cheaper. That facts. In 1987, 88, 89, was a million dollars. That quad core processor right now is probably, I don't know, I'll make it up, $60. In 10 years' time, will it be $6 or $16? I don't know, but again, that trend is going there. Where I'm getting to is that the technology is getting so small and so integrated and, and so low in cost that we will see a lot more capability in things that are non IT. Going back to your question, Mark. That's where Internet of Things is happening. It's really bringing the Internet to the physical world. So this is a dumb table right now. In the future, it'll be smart. The chair will be smart in the future. So it'll know that there are people sitting here. Therefore, there's occupancy here in this end of the hallway. Therefore, the access point is going to be intelligent enough to say, I need to put more power down here because there's people here versus there's nobody in these conference rooms because all the chairs are sensing that they're all not uh, nobody sitting in them. Therefore, I can switch that bandwidth capability from this side to the other side. So IoT is the physical instant, uh, is the evolution of physical devices into the Internet world through the application of smart sensors and devices. So the fridge of tomorrow will be a smart fridge. The, the stove of tomorrow will be a smart stove. The car of tomorrow is even going to be smarter than the car of today, which has got dozens and dozens and dozens of microprocessors. The TV is smart today, it'll be smarter the next time. So things will be connected, which allows more blurbs of data to be moved from these uh, physical systems into an IT-based system. The challenge is the intersection of this OT world with the IT world, and that's where IoT sits in the middle. With that comes a lot of new challenges from an IT point of view of managing these devices, securing these devices, accounting for these devices, integrating those devices into an IT world that we have known and loved for the last 30-plus years. And now we're embracing the lens has got wider, right? So it's exciting. So, again, going back to the technology, imagine being able to ingest nano nanotechnology where it's very small things that can go into your system and do an analysis of inside of a human being based on what it's seen and so forth, so more predictive analysis of you as a human being, as a person, based on all your vital signs and so forth, and therefore maybe that's connected to your doctor to say, hey, 
Liam, maybe you don't need this coffee. And certainly you don't need these cookies because of I'm noticing things in your liver or whatever. That's the world we're moving to, is in this connected world of vertical segments that are applying technology for the good of human beings and also for machines that can actually participate in that. So in other words, from a Dell perspective, one of the things that we're very interested in is machine learning and analytics. So when you think of the tens of millions of devices that we ship on the client side annually and also on the enterprise side, wouldn't it be great if those machines and platforms and notebooks and workstations and so forth became more intelligent such that it could say, hey, I'm not feeling good. <laughs> I think I need to have my hard drive replaced in the next three months because of the use it's getting, because of the uh, physical abuse it's getting, or because of the way it's been handled and so forth. And it gives a predictive, uh, preventative heads up to the IT or the owner of that system to say, here's what's wrong with me. In other words, uh, another one is that we're working on right now is the adaption of devices to the application that you run on it. So, for example, our Dell Precision Optimizer, we have now the ability for, uh, with our optimizer suite on the, on the Precision, to allow that device and that platform to adjust its hardware and software capabilities to run the application. Wow. Because <laughs> if you have an notebook, Doug, and you have an notebook, Mark, and they're all from Dell, in the same model, same uh, build and so forth, it will run the same for you running Word as it would for you running Word. But suppose that you run Excel and Mark is still running Word, it may need different capabilities to run Excel because more graphic intensive than it would be for you to run Word, which is more static. The machines that we're developing right now will have that ability to adjust dynamically in order to optimize your experience for what you're doing today to now versus, Mark, what you're doing today this minute. Mm -hmm. And that's where we actually see this um, transition into an intelligent world for devices, an integration of physical worlds into our IT world, and all of the exciting things that go along with that from security, manageability, uh, connectivity, and so on and so forth. So I think it's we're at a great cusp right now in, in, this, uh, in this market. We're at a great point for Dell is today, Dell Technologies, given that now we have EMC, we have VMware, we have Pivotal, we have VirtuStream, RSA, Mosey, AirWatch, Dell Client. You know, our stack of cars are pretty good, you know, so that you can go into a customer and give a true end-to-end solution. Because if you go into a customer, let's say it's one of a big oil company or uh, an airline company or banks or whatever, or smart buildings, you cannot go in and say, hey, I've got some sensors. I'm in the IoT business. <laughs> right. Because that's only one little element, right. a very small element. But Dell can say, not only do we have the gateways, we have the analytics on the gateway, we have the connectivity, we've got the networking, we've got the cloud, we've got the storage, we've got the data center, we've got the services, we've got the go-to-market. You know, it really is great to be on this team right now, given what we can deliver to customers based on their needs, because all of them have different needs. Incredible. Uh, building efficiency, that, that efficiency is just absolutely startling. I just think about what you I said with a chair. Wait. I never even thought about a chair. <laughs> Mine would be screaming right now, but that's okay. Um, so virtual reality, I wanted to touch base. You touched base about Internet of Things. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are businesses missing when we're talking about virtual reality? Because a lot of businesses look at this as, you know, gaming and, you know, Facebook and social interaction. But what, what is the average 
business missing when it comes to virtual reality and what's out there? I'm going to set the context of the virtual reality, which is the total immersive, immersed into your world, Mm -hmm. cut off from society, cut off from the outside world. There is the concept of augmented reality, which is putting digital content over a physical overlay. So if I'm looking at this uh, decal on the wall, I can actually look at the barcode on there and it may show things on my augmented reality glasses that I wouldn't see otherwise. And then you have this concept of merged reality or or mixed reality. I think the net-net is... VR is great today. It's been used widely in, in applications for gaming and movie and content consumption. That's where Dell's Precision can be a great uh, content generator. And our other platforms like XPS and our high-end gaming can be used as, as well as um, Inspiron can be used as consumption devices. So there's the creation. We've got that covered. There's the consumption, and we've got those covered with our... VR uh, certified platforms in our labs around the world. I think the exciting one is AR. And when you think of, let's say, and we're working with a number of vertical segments right now, can you imagine um, in the medical sector where you can get a 3D rendition of an organ that the surgeon is operating on in a suspended 3D environment so that if the patient is lying there, and they're doing an a, um, ultrasound of an organ. And instead of the heart showing like on the, uh, on the screen, as we know it, that the software can create a 3D version of that and then using augmented reality glasses and or a screen, because, by the way, surgeons don't want anything on their head when they're operating. Mm. And you look through that screen, you can see the heart floating. So if you're putting in a catheter in here and you're going up doing a... a um, an analysis of the heart through, uh, through probes, then you could actually see the hearts like this, and you can actually see the probe that you're pushing through in a real sense in a suspended way. Another way is, let's say you had to do surgery on, on a patient, and you may want to take a sample of a liver or a sample of some other part of the body. Instead of opening that in general surgery, you may be able to pinpoint based on the using 3D of the organ exactly where to pinpoint and take that sample, which is a less less a lot less invasive than surgery is today. So that's one example. Another one on augmented reality, where we find it very exciting, is in vertical segments like uh, manufacturing. Hmm. So where you do cable assembly, hmm. right? And you look at it and see, okay, this is red cable, red cable, click, yellow, yeah. yellow, click. Or maintenance. It, or maintenance. Think, yeah. So yeah. a great example of this is in the future, uh, when you bring your car into uh, the garage to get inspectors, you know, you can put on, the technician will put on the glasses, the car, maybe a self-driving car will drive in, get hoisted up, <laughs> and you look at the uh, you look at the car, you know what the uh, analysis is because the car is one diagnostics. The diagnostic database is connected to the augmented reality headset. It's giving you uh, invasive knowledge and intuitive visuals of what's happening with the car. So it's a shock, a shock absorber. Um, tires running uh, bald on one side, what's causing that. So it helps diagnose what is wrong with a particular device or an engine or, or mechanical uh, um, platform. And then once the technician actually goes to uh, fix that, it can actually, you can drive the capability of the technician from a remote area, a remote technician or the aging workforce, by the way, the expert is on the other side of the world, Say, here's the screwdriver you use. 
here's the wrench you use, here's the, how you adjust it, change the part out, and this is all connected. So now you have this cognitive capability, augmented reality, the billing is done, it notifies the officer to say that he or she can, the car is ready, it's at the front port, it's on the front port of the garage, the billing is done, the paperwork's done, the maintenance in the database. So you can see the applications of AR in an environment like that, as you said, like uh, maintenance. Yeah. So think of like HVAC technicians, think of nursing, think of di uh, diagnostics. Think There's so many applications that can be used. And what technology has talked earlier about evolving over time, why can't the glasses both of you are wearing, by the way, be not, uh, there can be AR glasses in the future without this big heavy headset because mm -hmm. battery technology is going to extend. You can maybe a full day's battery life because of kinetic energy on your head as you walk. You have small uh, glasses for orient or uh, cameras for orientation. When you're talking, actually, a small microphone picking it up. There's wires built in, it's connected to your phone or the, it's connected direct to the internet. So you can see how all of this technology is starting to continue to evolve, which allows smaller, more integrated solutions. So people think of like, oh, my goodness, you got this VR headset, huge, it's ugly, who's going to ever adopt that? That's today. What will it be in five years versus 10 years? Just like the fax was in the uh, early 90s, and now look at it today in your cell phone. Right. I'm going to change up the conversation a little bit, because when I looked at the description of what you do in your life. I just was so excited to ask you about this. So one of your roles is to drive alignment across all the Dell CTO organizations. That is just fascinating to me. <laughs> How do you, it's, it's basically you're placing the bets on what's next. You're placing the bets on where are we going to go? Just tell me about that process. How do you get these people to place the bets in the same place? <laughs> Actually, it's not me. I've got a great team, as it appears. I think Ray Farrow was on here beforehand. He's a great guy. And he's Irish. So that's a, that's, that's, that's well, a thumbs up said. there, right? <laughs> enough said. Is enough that the said. secret weapon? <laughs> well, it is in a way because it comes down to relationships. Sure. And uh, so I've got the role for Jeff Clark's client organization, which is a big part of the Dell Technologies. Uh, Ray has got the CTO for VMware. You got John Rose got it for EMC. You got Scott Yar for Pivotal, and John Ramsey for SecureWorks. We have formed a CTO advisory council where we meet on a regular basis, quarterly. But now we're going to increase the frequency of that to look at areas of cross Dell technology intersections, such as security, manageability, IoT, and a number of other areas where. We're not working in silos. We're saying, you know what, we need to get out to our current domain and ensure that we're driving an end-to-end -end approach and strategy across the company. It's both rewarding and challenging because it exposes you to other parts of the business, and you've got to understand their side of the business on the technology side as well as the business side, and conversely, they have to do it on our side. So it drives a lot of synergies. It drives a lot of collaboration. It drives a lot of ironing out of small footsie things that could get in the way. We're not where we need to be. It's a journey. We'll get there. We're going to accelerate it more this year. I think we're in a good position given where we <clears throat> we just started back in uh, September. But uh, obviously, we want to drive a lot more of that end-to-end -end, uh, mentality and thinking. And, and, and as you're driving that, I'm curious about that the sociology of disruption 
there, you know, the human aspect of it. And that's how, how are you simultaneously getting these units and empowering them, you know, to, to push forward with that change? How do you enable that? Well, I think, I think we're blessed. We have got great leadership starting with Michael and his ELT and the very focus. So there's no, there's no ambiguity of where Michael is going. There is certainly no ambiguity of where the ELT is going working for Michael. And there's no ambiguity of where we are working for our ELT leaders. So that makes our job easier. Yep. So there's very little time to waste on kindergarten behavior or high school behavior. So we don't have that. Inside the client organization, we know each other for the last number of years. A lot have been there quite a while, which, again, goes back to relationships. You earn respect. You develop uh, relationships, and that's always a positive. And we're doing that as well across the other uh, parts of Dell Technologies, number one. Number two, there's always been this maniacal focus on customer first. So it's very to say this is what I'm doing based on my approach or our approach, not my our approach, to a customer issue or customer solution. And I had a great mentor one time when he was at Dell, it was Steve Schockenbrock, and he says, you always approach things from a customer-centric point of view. And if you do that, you will never get personal with people around you. Mm. Because I'm doing this because this is what's good for the customer, this is the right technology, this is the right proposal, this is the right architecture, and so forth. And approaching that drives that maniacal focus on where we want to go. And it brings all of the other things become a follow-through versus I'm doing it because I want to get my idea ahead of next person idea right. or whatever. And it was an absolute pivotal moment for me years and years ago, and I've never forgotten it. So um, I think that's important. We've covered so much ground today, and I just feel like we got started. But I think I'd like to end by asking you, we've talked about IoT and virtual reality and augmented reality What's the one technology that's just getting you so excited? You just can't wait to see how the world's going to unfold in the next couple of years. What's the one oh wow for you? Um, <laughs> I, the, the one I think is very interesting is, is uh, health. When you think of the advances we've had in, in the technology sector for, for decades, and where we're still challenged with some fundamental health uh, diseases and, and, and so forth that haven't been solved. And imagine the application of technology in the right uh, positive way into an environment like that to solve health issues like, like diabetes or, or cancer or, or uh, Alzheimer's and so forth or dementia. Uh, where it strikes people at a younger and younger age. And uh, wouldn't that be great if technology were a great solver of some of those issues based on our capabilities today to maybe have nano particles ingested, uh, analytics of data, genome sequencing, and uh, where you could have personalized medicine because my genome is obviously different than yours and different from uh, Douglas's. So, uh, then I could have personalized medicine for my needs based on my composition versus all of us. And I think that's one that I personally feel very excited about. That's because cool. it's good for the it's good for humankind, it's good for it's good for it's good for life. Well Liam, this has been such a delight talking to you. You've really just inspired me, energized 
both of us. I'll speak to Doug. <laughs> a lot to think about. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've got to bring it to a close. So uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, uh, Liam Quinn, CTO, Senior Vice President, Senior Fellow. Uh, and on behalf of Doug Carr, this is Mark Schaefer and Luminaries. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech, a podcast series from Dell Technologies.